I V M. Here's your smart fact of the day. If I asked you who's the worst singer in the world, it's Florence Foster Jenkins. Apparently, she remains the worst opera singer in the world. But the most incredible thing of it was she had no idea. Isn't that strange? And do you know that Florence Foster Jenkins has something in common with Dinjak Pooja, Vennu Mallesh, Bhim Nirola, Daimu Kosaka, and Tahir Shah? All of them known as cringe pop singers. Hey there, welcome to Smarter with Sid. And this episode, we are going to take a look at why is cringe watching so addictive and so viral. First of all, let's try to understand one thing. Yeah, what exactly is cringe? I mean, for some, just a professor making an Instagram video, maybe the way in which I make mine, could be kind of cringe-inducing for a student. So. Uh, it might be liked by somebody else who's not a student of this professor, but maybe not liked by a student. They're like, oh, not this again. And that, oh, not this again, is exactly the feeling that what what I'd call cringe. It's probably understood more from a feeling perspective rather than, uh, let's say, a fact perspective. But it is a feeling. It is an undoubtedly straightforward feeling of cringe that all of us have experienced from time to time and i thought you know why do these guys get so many views if they're essentially horrible performers whether they're singers or artists or whatever it is and um, i thought that this phenomenon was worth exploring from many perspectives from a uh, addiction perspective from a virality perspective from a branding perspective and maybe from the cringe performer themselves perspective. So let's try to figure out each one of these angles, shall we? Let's try to figure out from the performer themselves, right? Um, whether it's uh, he or a she or, you know, any kind of non-binary person trying to make a statement and they're singing or dancing or acting or emoting. Do they not know that they're creating these waves of cringe amongst other people? Now, the more astute amongst us might say, hey, they of course they know, but they still enjoy the attention. They still enjoy the attention. But is it the right kind of attention that, you know, any normal human being would want? And now this is where the cringe performers are kind of slightly not normative. Don't confuse the word not normative with not normal. I'm saying that they're not, they're not normative. They don't mind the attention towards themselves, even though that attention is towards their terrible singing or dancing or whatever. So these guys, I don't know if they need therapy or they don't need therapy. I am certainly not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but I do know that these guys go against the norm. They are certainly people who enjoy attention for whatever uh, attention gives them. And at any cost, including the cost of rubbishing their egos. They're not fragile, these folk. Now, let's uh, kind of look at it from a um, an addiction perspective. So, from an individual perspective, if I'm kind of looking at cringeworthy content that I'm, you know, kind of binging on, on YouTube or Facebook or whatever it is, I see it, it is a guilty pleasure. 
you know, it's a guilty pleasure because it kind of evokes that weird feeling inside you but you still feel compulsively drawn towards it you want to kind of you know cower in shame sometimes but sometimes you're also looking at uh, the audacity of it all and the feeling that hey that might be me on some other day or that is something that i would really love to try doing but i don't have the guts to do it or that is something that i would never do and wow these are the consequences thank god i'm i'm not really doing that and i did think of it at one point in time or whatever so it's scenario building in my mind it's scenario building and it is that insane curiosity that all of us human beings have uh, towards uh, content like this as individuals and i think that that can be very addictive and that kind of provides a contrast to the mundaneness of our lives and it makes us just get those quirky moments into the picture so that we can feel safe and nice and normal about our lives again well that's just my view maybe there's a research paper in the offing for this but that is my perspective on the addictive nature of uh, cringe worthy content but the more interesting thing that comes to my mind is not the addictive nature but the virality of it i mean i might find it as a guilty pleasure watching it or viewing it like a weirdo but why do i then share it with others i mean why does a dinchak puja make the rounds on whatsapp and this is a uh, sort of question that i do pose to my students in my lectures and i think the main conclusion is that because you can laugh at her together so that is really weird isn't it i'm going to say that again because it sounds really cruel but because you can make fun of somebody together you know laugh at something together and basically as a community whether you're on whatsapp or on facebook or on linkedin or whatever say hey you know what this is really funny content let's share this because these are funny people we are not like them we are exclusive you know so while we laugh at dhinchak puja dhinchak puja laughs all the way to the bank yeah strange but true but it does create a sense of bonding in a community the community has certain values which are unstated and whenever we find content which is contrary to those values you can showcase it to the rest of the community in order to you know be accepted by the community that hey you know here's a stand up person within our community who can smile and laugh of course this has racist and misogynistic and all kinds of overtones uh, and it is not particularly good uh, a lot of times when you laugh at people within a community but i am not taking a moral stand over here i am taking an observational scientist stand and i'm saying this stuff happens human beings do it all the time and this is community driven action right and that is what explains its virality now let's look at the final uh, sort of angle that i'd promised that i'd take a look at you and that is about brand driven uh, action towards cringe guys right because these guys are obviously getting their subsistence a lot of it or their income from you know advertising now how do brands actually feel about their ad being showcased on cringe content i think well it really depends upon the brand and the category isn't it there are some brands who just want to 
have that attention at all costs and they will go for it they will go for the cringe content and they might even go for the cringe content just as a sharp contrast and make some ad based on that cringe content as well who the hell knows man how people are looking at advertising as content nowadays it is a strange phenomenon but brands don't have a uniform view of boycotting cringe and that might be a good thing that might be a good thing yes it doesn't cringe creators to create more cringe which may not necessarily be a very palatable thing for you know sometimes somebody like me on on some days but how does it matter brands are happy the cringe creators are happy the individuals are happy and the community is happy it's a very strange thing but if four stakeholders in this entire game are happy then who the hell am i to complain well i hope uh, you like this uh, episode of smarter with said and this is cringe theory really cringe theory is something that i tried recording as well as a strange kind of rap sort of fest i don't know what to call it but i recorded a cringe song myself and i'm going to release it on instagram soon do follow me there i am the traveling professor and on linkedin where i will certainly not i will certainly not put the cringe song but i will make serious notes of it on that happy note see you next time guys see you next time and if you like stuff like this do go for the ivm podcast stuff yeah they've got some fantastic things going there